Aloha and welcome to the Word of Hope with Ralph Moore, pastor of Hope Chapel Kaneohe. Hope Chapel exists to grow ordinary people into faithful, productive followers of Jesus Christ, equipping them through Bible teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. Today, Pastor Ralph will bring a new message entitled Mysteries of the Spirit. We'll be in Ephesians chapter 3, beginning with verse 8. And now, here's Pastor Ralph. Somebody scolded me this week for preaching from a stool, but you know something? Every time that you ever see Jesus teaching in the whole Bible, he was sitting. I found out that when I sit, I end up talking story. When I stand, I preach at people. And I'd rather talk story because I think it uh, actually is a little bit more effective in the long run. Tonight, we're talking about the mysteries of the Spirit. And we're going to see it through the eyes of the Apostle Paul who had a, a, a direct revelation from the Lord that really radically, radically transformed his life. And as he writes about it, and we're reading about it tonight in, in chapter 3 of Ephesians, he starts out by calling himself a prisoner of Christ. And I, I want to put two images in your mind. Uh, one is, as Paul is writing, he's, he's in the city of Rome, and he's a prisoner and he's there because he had preached the gospel to Gentile people. And he took some Gentiles with him back to Jerusalem. And he was worshiping in the temple along with some Jewish brothers. And somebody thought one of them was a Gentile. And they started a riot. And Paul ends up getting thrown in jail. And, they, and they, they're, they're railroading the thing. And he goes, I appeal my case to the emperor. And he ends up getting a free ride to Rome where he had wanted to go all his life. If you read the first chapter of Romans, he had promised the Roman Christians, I'll come see you someday. You read the last chapter of Rome, he says, someday on my way to Spain, I hope to get by to see you. And he ends up getting a free ticket on a, on a ship. And you got to think, in the, in, in the first century, to take a 1,300-mile trip was not something that everybody got to do in their lifetime. And he's in Rome, and he, but he's in jail. And as he writes to the, to the church in Philippi from that same jail, he says, those Christians that are of the emperor's household greet you. He's in the emperor's private jail, and he's been leading people to the Lord. But So he's a prisoner in that fact that his mission got him in trouble with the government. Uh, he got out of it. In the end, we know that. But he's that kind of a prisoner. He's a prisoner in a second way that you and I would relate to, I think. If you're old enough, you'll relate to this song. Uh, if you if you're, you got gray hair, you remember a song called Chains of Love. And uh, all of us, if we live in the love of the Lord, are prisoners of Jesus Christ. All of us, have, if, we, if we know God, and we've come to anticipate God to come to our rescue in times of difficulty, and we've found that he does do that. Then we learn to love him. The Bible says we love him because he first loved us. And we become prisoners of the Lord Jesus Christ in that we are bound to him by chains of love. There's, there, you know, there's a song that we used to sing in church when I was a, a kid. I hated it. It's kind of a dirge. Uh, don't anybody pick it up and start singing it around here. Um, but it says, it, it goes, where would I go but to the Lord? And there's, there, I hate this song, but there's truth in this statement. Where would I go but to the Lord? If you know the Lord, then where would you go but to the Lord? You, you, you can't, you know, he says he'll never leave you or forsake you, but you can't very well leave him or forsake him if you really know him. You know, I, I see a lot of people who end up coming to church, go through the routine, say the little prayer, and go back out in the world. They never knew him. 
They never really know him. If you take time to get connected and get to know him, you, you become absolutely a prisoner of his love. You, you won't want to be anywhere but in relationship to Jesus. Does that make sense? He says, I am a prisoner of Christ Jesus because of my preaching to you Gentiles. And if you want some scriptures to write down, there where he says he's a prisoner, you could write down Acts chapter 21, verses 17 to 36. That's where he got arrested for preaching the gospel. But really, you got to read from, from 21 to the end of the book of Acts to get the whole thing. Because for the next, you know, eight chapters of Acts, he's imprisoned. And the whole time, it's, it's telling about his experience along the way as a prisoner of the Roman government. But here's a man who, who because of his mission, found himself in jail. But, but it's really his being a prisoner of Christ that sent him on a mission. In verse 2, he says, As you already know, God has given me this special ministry of announcing his favor to you Gentiles. The Jews didn't like the Gentiles. Uh, the, 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 the Lord came to the Jews first. And at first, the Jews were uppity about it. And Paul breaks the ice and goes out to the Gentile world. He is a person who has been, a, 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 he has been at the top of everything you could be at in Judaism. He was a Pharisee. They were the ruling class. He was, a, he was in the Sanhedrin. That means he was like in the Senate of the country. He spent time actually tracking down Christians and putting them in jail. And in Acts chapter 7, he presides over the murder of a Christian. He martyrs a Christian. And he's a hero for it in his country. But somehow God gets through to him and, 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 and Paul now becomes the person who the Lord uses to reach out to all the non-Jewish people and is freaking out even the Jewish Christians. And this is his special ministry. And as I come to this point, I, 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 I got to stop and just ask a question and, and go, what is yours? You know, what is your special ministry? You know, there's a woman that sits in this room and and right now, and, and, and she has a ministry of just always knowing who's in need and writing cards to people and sending notes to people to encourage and cheer them up. And now she banged into email and you can't stop her. That's her ministry. Ron Borsma stood up here tonight and told about the business that he's running. He's running the darn thing night and day. It's running him ragged and he's making a ton of money in the process. But he's always involved as a partner with his wife, who's paid to do virtually the same ministry in the church. But he's found a thing that is his special ministry. You know, you heard Stanton Sunoka get up here tonight and tell you that, that we've moved him to, he's the head worship pastor of our whole church. We've moved him here to Friday night, and he's moved out of something he has a passion for, and that's junior high school kids. You know, what, what do you do? What has God put into your life that's a challenge, that stretches you, that takes some time, so it's some sacrifice? But it's a place where you couldn't function without the Spirit of the Lord helping you to function. Because if you haven't gotten to that place, then you really haven't gotten to where you need to be in the Lord. If you're, if you're doing your little two bits worth, that's good, but that's not the same as Coming to the point of I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ and I have a special ministry that he's given for me to do that, that he's fit around me and that stretches me and that challenges me and I wouldn't want my life to be any way other than it is because I'm thrilled at being, at, at, at being stretched 
and, and challenged and then always seeing the challenge met through the power of the Holy Spirit. Am I making any sense? Huh? Does you get a, do you get a feeling inside of you when I talk about this? Because it's like a, a lot of us live just lives of, someone said, quiet mediocrity. You know, all we do is get up, go to work, come home, watch TV, go to bed. You know, maybe, maybe we go paddle canoe one day a week or something. And, and, and we, we really live our life to serve ourselves, And there's no challenge to it. And there's no joy to it. And any time that anybody tries to jar us loose a little bit and get us to a place where we want to stand up and, and count and, 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 and make it be that this world is a different place because I passed through. And I can remember one time as a tourist walking down uh, in Kalakaua Park I, I was staying in Diamond Head at a hotel down there and we walked into Waikiki and we walked back every night we'd go there. And I was a tourist. I was, I was going home after seven days. And I, I remember thinking how permanent those ironwood trees look along the sidewalk there. You know, they kind of overgrow the sidewalk and every so often they got to bust up the concrete, cut the root, roots of the trees. And then three years later, they got to do the same thing again because the trees trump the concrete. And I remember thinking... After I'm gone, these trees are still going to be here and they don't care. And then I started thinking, after I'm dead and gone, these trees are still going to be here and they don't care. And there's a sort of a thing that you got to look around and go, who will have noticed? Ten years after I'm dead, what will be left that's of value of my life? And I'm here to tell you that the only thing that there will be is, is whatever you discovered is your special ministry assignment. You know, I was talking to somebody today and he, and he, and he came up in a church in Maui. And in that church in Maui, uh, one of the pastor's wives is the first person that ever accepted the Lord in Hope Chapel. And, and that happened 33 years ago. And she's, been, she's served as a missionary. She's done all these things. It's just incredible. I can look at my life and say, oh, there's, there's, there's track record for Ralph if it was just that one person. But now I can look at her life and say, there's track record for Tony and there's, there's, there's stuff going on. And, and it's when we're doing the thing that God made us to do that we start to feel like my life counts for something. Am I, am I getting there? I mean, does that touch your soul? There's a guy named Frank sitting in this room that's, 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 that's working and he's helping me teach a class and he's working with, with young kids and he's got all these things going on. He's getting ready to go back to school and just came back from a mission to Japan and he's just, his head is spinning trying to sort this thing out and go, what is it that's the essence of what God wants because it's that that I need to do. Here's a guy who needs to trim down all that's going on in his life to the special assignment rather than add to. A lot of us need to sort of just get off our chair a little bit and get into a place that God can use us. Am I making it any headway? Everybody's kind of looking. You know, I, we have 250 high school kids that will be in this auditorium on Sunday night. The place will be as full then as it is now. They're incredible. I come up here every Sunday night because I, I bring my grandchildren up here after, after church is over and, and deliver them to their dad and mom that are youth pastors. And, 
And I, I walk around outside, and I, on Sunday night, it's different than it is after any other service. I, I, see, I see little groups of people around hanging out, fellowshipping, but I see a lot of them praying. Anytime I come up here, there's kids praying for each other. And they're seeing some really phenomenal miracles. I mean, there's been some people that the doctor said, there's, there's no hope, anorexia, it's going to take your life. And, uh, and by the way, there's an outburst of that again in our society. And they're seeing people delivered. And, and, and they believe, and I believe, it's demonic. A demon got a hold of their brain and is lying to them and telling them they're fat when they you know, are down to 85 pounds. And they're seeing people delivered and set free. God is answering prayer. Wonderful things are happening. But when I get up here and tell you this, there are eight adult leaders for 250 kids. And we need to recruit about 40 more. And some of you, a large number of you, significant number of you, ought to say, you know what, I'm going to give that a shot. And you may go and find out that that is not your special assignment. <laughs> but you will never know that it's not if you don't give it a shot. And in finding out that it's not, you're going to find out a little bit more about what might be. But if you don't find out by trying something, you're not going to ever know anything. Am I getting there? You know, we need some people that would commit themselves. And, and please don't take offense at this. Some of you are going to get mad at me and I'll get some emails. And I don't, I'm not trying to hurt you. I, 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 we have a lot of people teaching in children's church. They got kids themselves. And the kids, are, if they teach in children's church, that means their children got to come to children's church twice. Now, the kids like that because they get those arc coins. They get doubles. But it's hard on the families. We need some people that are single or that are retired. Empty nesters. They'll come and say, I'll be there for the children and I'll be there every single week. My dad taught the same Sunday school class for 14 years. My mother taught hers for 17 years. Every week. And we need some people that would say, I'm willing to get a hold of some 10-year-old boys and, 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 and invest my life in them. That would do something. That would be really good. You know? And you may do that and you may find out, this isn't for me. But you'll know a little bit more about you and what God could use you to do if you'll give it a crack. But if you don't, never going to happen. Am I getting there? You're driving me up the wall tonight, you know. I mean, I can't handle the enthusiasm. It's just killing me. Well, let's go to verse 3. Let's talk about cosmic mysteries revealed. Paul talks here and he says, As I briefly mentioned earlier in this letter, God himself revealed his secret plan to me. Now, this is a cosmic mystery, right? God himself revealed his secret plan to me. Now, that's, that's a hard one for me to preach because God will reveal his secret plan to you for you, but it won't be of the magnitude of what happened to Paul. And, you know, I, I can remember as a, as a small child, six years old, knowing that God was calling me to be a pastor and hating it every second for the next 13 years. And finally, giving in and saying yes to it. And, uh, and then God began to, to, uh, to reveal more of it to me. 
But he wouldn't reveal more of it until I would say yes to the little bit that I knew. But what happened to Paul is, is really kind of a, you know, it's, it's an outstanding thing here. He says, as I briefly mentioned earlier in this letter, God himself revealed his secret plan to me. As you read what I've written, you will understand what I know about his plan regarding Christ. God's plan regarding Christ is what Paul came to understand. And then he says, God did not reveal it to previous generations, but now he has revealed it by what? His Holy Spirit. God always communicates to us through his Holy Spirit in our spirit. I'm sitting up here talking to you. And there's a whole lot going on in people's hearts. I'm up here making jokes about you're not giving me emotion and all that. But I know that God's talking to you. And I know this. I know that between stuff coming out of my mouth and going into your ear, God bends it. And how I know this is, I always used to stand at the back door of church and greet everybody and people would come out and say, oh, pastor, thank you for that message. And I used to make the mistake of saying, what did you like about it? And they'd tell me and I'd go, I said that. And uh, I began to, to realize that what happens is the Holy Spirit takes the, the scriptures, the word, as, as, as I'm teaching and applies it to your heart. And he does something with it and, he, and he'll take a little part of something I said and magnify it and it kind of explodes inside of you. And that's the message God wanted you to hear. And it may not even be what I was trying to make a big emphasis out of, but it's what God does. God, through his Holy Spirit, reveals stuff to us. And the only way that God reveals stuff to us, when you're reading your Bible. You know, if you're not a Christian and you read the Bible, well, I, I got news for you. Don't bother. It's a drag. You're not going to get anything out of it. It's the most boring thing on the planet. It won't make any sense to you at all. I promise you. And I'm not, and I'm not, you know, somebody's going to go, you're being really sacrilegious and I'm going to get an email. Don't, don't just, just, just leave me alone. Okay. Give me a break. The Bible says that these things are spiritually discerned and that people who don't know the Lord cannot understand them. And if you read a book and you cannot understand it, I mean, if I give you, you know, if I give you a book on astrophysics, you think you'd have fun reading it? My wife had a heart problem and I went to the library and started looking it up and I had to sit there with a dictionary, not a dictionary, one of these babies, you know, because the words aren't in these little collegiate things. And I had to sit there with his dictionary and his medical book. And then I have to keep writing a list of these words that I don't understand and the definitions next to them and then go back with my list and try to read the paragraph. And, and, and you're, it's about like every 35 words you're going to read, there's seven or eight you got to get a definition for. That's not fun. And it's boring. And I still didn't really get it. And here's the deal. If you're not a Christian and you read this Bible, it's just a bunch of nonsense. It's he Hebrew folktales. But if you ask the Lord into your life, a weird thing happens. You can read the Bible one day and it's absolutely goofy and then you accept the Lord and you open the Bible up and it's like, oh my gosh, all of a sudden it clicks. You know, and, and, you're, and you're thinking you just mentally got it and that's not what's happening at all. It's that the Holy Spirit is taking it and bringing it alive to you. You know, the, the Bible, particularly the Old Testament, is, is written from a, 
a, a, a Middle Eastern frame of reference. It's a bunch of stories. And God's trying to give us examples about what he's like and how he treats people by telling us the stories of other people. And we all want to make it into some systematic, put in little boxes thing. And God doesn't even really want us to do that. But even to, to do that, you won't, you won't get there until you have the Lord in your life and the Holy Spirit takes it and makes it alive. And then all of a sudden you can categorize it and you can put it in the boxes. And then it makes that kind of sense. But when, what, what he says here is this. As I briefly mentioned earlier, God himself revealed his secret plan to me. Now, how did this happen? Well, this man, Saul of Tarsus, was riding on his horse from Jerusalem to Damascus in Syria. And if you went to Jerusalem today, it's that Jerusalem. And if you went to Syria today, it's that Damascus. It's about 80 miles away. And he had a piece of paper that gave him authority to go there and arrest any Jewish people who lived in Syria who were Christians and bring them back to Jerusalem, put them on trial. And this is shortly after he has successfully seen a guy named Stephen, who was a leader in the early church, stoned to death. And so he's got murder in his eyes. And as he goes out and he tells this story, uh, it's in Acts chapter 9, the first 20 verses. And as, as, as Saul goes out to do this, he's on the way, and all of a sudden, some, several things happen at once. There's a blinding light from heavens, from the sky. There's a huge noise that shakes everyone else up, scares the horse. The horse knocks Paul on his butt on the ground, and he hears it as a voice. Everybody else hears it as thunder. And the voice says, his name was Saul. God changed his name to Paul, which means shorty. And so we have some idea about his stature. And he is sitting on the ground, this proud Pharisee. And there's this voice from heaven that says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul says, who are you, Lord? Which means, sir. Who are you, sir? And he goes, I'm Jesus who you're picking on. And then he says an interesting thing. You won't read it in Acts. He tells about it in Galatians because he tells the same story. And he says that the voice says, it's hard for you to kick against the goads. Now, a goad is like a sharp stick. If you're driving an ox with an ox cart, you poke the, the ox every so often in the back of his legs and he goes faster. And, 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 and the, the ox will try to kick the thing away, right? And, and the Lord says, it's hard for you to... to to, 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 to kick against me when I keep poking you, huh? And it's almost like the Lord is sitting there going, this is pretty fun, huh? <laughs> you don't like it, do you? <laughs> and he's made blind. And he goes on into Damascus and he's, and he's staying at a house on a street called Straight and they actually the street's still there. And you go there and, and there's a guy named Ananias who's a few blocks away who's a Christian and it's the only time you ever read this guy, Ananias, in the whole Bible. And the Holy Spirit comes to Ananias and says, Ananias, I got a job for you. My special mission, right? I want you to go over here to this house on Straight Street. And there's a guy there named Saul from, from Tarsus, from Jerusalem. And I want you to pray for him because I made him blind. And I want you to pray and I'm going to heal him. And Ananias goes, no way, Jose. Because he's here to kill people like me. And if I go and pray for him and he opens his eyes, the first thing he sees is going to be moi. And he goes, I'm not going to do it. And the Lord says, no, do it, do it, do it, do it. He's one of us now. And Ananias goes and, 
and, and, and carefully knocks on the door and he says, Brother Saul, the Lord sent me here to pray for you. And, and he's welcomed in and, and he prays. And the Bible says something that looked like scales fell off of Saul's eyes. Cataracts. And Saul could see. Immediately, all of his training in the Old Testament, all the scriptures, all of everything that's already there that points to Jesus being the Messiah, that the Pharisees couldn't see when they saw Jesus every day of their lives and argued with him every day about the scriptures. All of a sudden, bing, it makes sense. And Saul has all this together and it's working in his head and it's like God revealed it to him. And folks, if God doesn't reveal it to you, you cannot become a Christian. And if he does reveal it to you and you embrace it, then you got something to go on that'll, that'll last you for the rest of your life. And Saul is transformed in a moment. And this is what the gospel does. This is Christianity. You've been listening to The Word of Hope with Ralph Moore, pastor of Hope Chapel, Kaneohe. 